Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to Talking It Through Biblically. Today, Pastor Lee will be speaking on gambling, but due to some technical difficulties, his introduction is missing from this recording. Please stay tuned and enjoy Pastor Lee's show on gambling. A little emphasized, a little emphasized, and I mean little, a little emphasized biblical truth is the fact that Jesus Christ speaks more about money than anyone else in the New Testament. And with the possible exception of Solomon in the book of Proverbs, probably more than anyone else in the Bible as a whole. And Jesus nowhere says that wealth is wrong or that Christians should not have either money or wealth. However, nor does Jesus teach that Christians should or must strive after riches. Jesus' emphasis is always upon the proper use of money or wealth as well as upon the proper ways and means of acquiring it. Greed, my friends, is never to be a motivation according to the Bible. Stealing is never to be a means. And sharing with others is always to be a result. And faith in Him to meet our needs is always to be the desired attitude. The Apostle Paul, for instance, instructed his protege, Timothy, along these lines in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. Please hear the word of God. Quote, commanded those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. End of quote. Now, in the Old Testament, God made it quite clear that in the final analysis, it was He, not the wisdom, the energy, or the labor of man that was the source of riches. Please listen to how He warns the children of Israel not to forget Him when they got into the land of Canaan. I'm reading now from Deuteronomy chapter 8, Verses 17 and 18, quote, You may say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms His covenant, which He swore to your forefathers as it is today. End of quote. My friends, this underlines the biblical truth that it is God who allows and enables the rich to get their riches. Let me give you another scripture here. Listen again to the word of God in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 12 through 14. Again, I quote the word of God. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your Hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. End of quote. What a fantastic passage of scripture that is. But now, Jesus also encourages 
wise investment of resources. Many of his parables focus on this truth, as for instance, Matthew chapter 25, concerning the master who left different amounts of talents with his servants to invest while he was away in a distant land. The fact is then, God is not against a Christian having money. In fact, he even encourages it with the intent that he, that is a believer, might be able to help others with his wealth. Selfishness is always condemned in Scripture, however. And money, for money's sake, the hoarding of money, is an evidence of selfishness and greed according to the Word of God. The question then is not whether or not God wants us to have money. The Bible is clear. Of course he does. The real question is, in our context now, is how does God wants us to acquire money? And more specifically, is gambling a proper, biblical, and moral means of acquiring money according to the word of God? And so, as always, let's begin at the beginning in our discussion. And let's ask the question, what is gambling? Well, the word gambling first came into use, or some even say it was invented, the word itself, in the middle of the 18th century by the British. Although, of course, the activity of gambling was around for a time much earlier than that. But prior to the 18th century in Britain, it was called gaming. The British, you remember, always loved a sporting chance. For instance, Wayne Oates, in his book, Luck is a Secular Faith, defines gambling in this way, and I quote, Gambling is the staking or betting of something of value with the express intention of running a risk in hope of gaining something of more value as a result. Let me quote that again. This is Wayne Oates. Quote, Gambling is the staking or betting of something of value with the express intention of running a risk in hope of gaining something of more value as a result, end of quote. I want you to notice two major elements in this definition. One, the awareness of a risk, and two, the desire to win. In other words, beating the risk or overcoming the odds. The results are governed by the ratio of chance or odds. There can be no gambling without these two elements. Now, there's another one I'm going to talk about shortly. But there can be no gambling without these two elements. Risk-taking and a desire to win. The nature of both determines the degree or intensity the gambler puts into his act of gambling. Now, bear this fact in mind. Those who gamble are gamblers. They're not merely called gamblers. They are gamblers. The only difference is the intensity of activity. The same way we have deeply committed Christians, sometimes called fanatics, we have normally committed Christians, and non-committed Christians. So we have deeply committed gamblers, sometimes called addicted or compulsive gamblers. They gamble all the time. We also have nominally committed gamblers. They gamble frequently. We also have non-committed gamblers. They gamble occasionally. But my point is this. If you gamble, no matter how you do it, you are a gambler when you gamble. Now, why do people gamble? Why do people gamble? You see, the thing with gambling is that the odds are always against the majority of gamblers winning. Or as a gambler would say, 
the deck is always stacked against them. This is one of the things really that amazes me about gambling and gamblers. Now listen carefully to this. They know that the odds are against them. They know that to choose to gamble is to go against all logic and rational thinking. But yet, these so-called sensible people gamble anyway. The question is why? Of course, the answer is very simple. They want to win. They're greedy. Even though it is more likely that most gamblers would be eaten by a shark than to win a lottery or even to contract AIDS through contaminated blood, they still gamble against the odds. Now, that's a scientifically established fact, by the way. They do it. In other words, their desire to win is greater than their intellectual persuasion. Let me ask you something. Would you fly in an airplane if you knew that the chances were one out of ten that it would crash on that particular trip? Of course you wouldn't. And of course, flying is not that risky. But most forms of gambling are that risky, including casino gambling and even playing numbers. To say nothing about the lottery, that is also a scientifically established fact. Listen to this quote from the book entitled, Don't Bet on It, by Tom Watson Jr. Quote, Winning the typical state lottery offers a chance of only one in several million. The chances are much higher that you will be struck by lightning or be killed by a falling object. In fact, it is five times more likely that you will be eaten by a shark than you will win the state lottery jackpot. End of quote. Dr. Norman Geisler, referring to U.S. citizens, adds this, and I quote, the chances are 250 times greater that you will get AIDS even if you are in the low-risk category. End of quote. That's from a book entitled Gambling a Bad Bet. However, although gamblers won't admit it, most gamblers do not gamble because it is logical or because it is a wise thing to do. They do not do it because it's logical, nor do they do it because it's wise. They do it simply because they want to win, regardless of the odds against them doing so. It goes against all logic, but still they gamble. That's why one of the most forceful, practical, common-sense reasons that can be given for a person not to gamble is that gambling is intellectually irrational. It is simply not a rational way to invest one's money. In fact, it's foolish. The New Yorker magazine stated that the chances of winning the lottery in that state were 12 million to one. In Florida, where it is claimed that up to 50 or more million Bahamian dollars are wagered every week, the ratio there is 14 million to one. And yet our Bahamians flock to gamble. However, let me give you some other reasons why gambling seems so irrational. Now, I'm going to give you some biblical reasons at the end of our program. But I want to approach it at the beginning for, um, from a more logical, philosophical, intellectual way. Just to show you that, you know, for those who claim about Christians always crying and arguing and also about trying to tell them what to do. I heard a real, uh, really, a, I don't know what to call it, from an intellectual person on the radio the other day. 
He made a statement like this concerning the Christian Council, say, who do the Christian Council think they are telling the Hamians what to do when it comes to gambling? Now, here it is. They are making the pitch as to why the Hamians should gamble. And they feel pretty good, free to do that, to encourage the Hamians to gamble. But when Christians get up to say why you shouldn't, they ask the question, who do they think they are? Where did they get that right from? Isn't that amazing? It just simply boggles my mind to see the irrationality of some people. However, I don't want to get on that negative line. But before looking at several other reasons why gambling is not a biblical, moral, or sensible way to gain money, let's look at a few then of the popular reasons that are being presented today to encourage the legalization of gambling in our community, both by individuals, institutions as well, including, unfortunately, members of the Bahamas government through uh, various times. First, it is said that life is a gamble, implying that since life is a gamble and we gamble with our life, it's okay to gamble with our money. Doesn't that sound great? Now, besides the fact that this is a patently fallacious argument, based on a fallacious assumption, it's simply not true that life is a gamble. Life is a risk, or better, there are risks in life, but life is not a gamble. There's a vast difference between taking a risk and gambling, although gambling is taking a risk. Not everything risky is a gamble. Life, for instance, my friends, is a necessary risk. Gambling is not necessary. In fact, if a person normally took the risks a gambler takes when he gambles, that person would not live very long. In actuality, life is an investment, not a gamble. Risks in life are reasonable, rational and necessary risks leading to reasonable and rational returns. This is not true with gambling. Gambling always involves an unreasonable risk with hope for unreasonable returns. Life, my friends, is not a gamble, it's an investment. In fact, for the believer who trusts God for his life, a Christian can confidently say, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, those who have been called according to his purpose. You see, for a believer, my friends, there's no such thing as chance or luck. A believer trusts God to provide all his needs according to his riches and glory. A believer trusts in the providence and sovereignty of a wise and loving father. A believer does not trust in father luck. A second reason given for legalizing gambling is that it's only entertainment. It's fun to gamble. It's a fun thing to do, they say. But again, a basic fallacy in assumption is involved here. It's the fallacy that says whatever is fun or entertaining is right or moral. But of course, that's not true. The Bible says that some commit violence as a sport. In other words, they do it for fun. But does that make the committing of violence right? Of course it doesn't. My friends, there are many things that are fun to do, but not necessarily good or moral or right. Today, young hoodlums destroy other people's property just for fun. Does that make their actions right or moral or acceptable? 
The adulterer enjoys his or her adultery. The drunkard and druggie enjoy their addictions. Does that make it right? The answer is obvious. Why should it be right with gambling then? If gambling is fun, my friends, then it's fun to rob the poor because that's what legalized gambling does. If gambling is fun, then it's fun to misguide the youth because that's what gambling does. If gambling is fun, then it is fun to contaminate the church and corrupt the society because that's what gambling does. Surely, my friends, if gambling is fun, it's the kind of fun we can and should do without. And certainly, it's not the kind of fun that a government which is established for the welfare of its people should legalize or encourage at all. In fact, Solomon states emphatically in Proverbs 21 verse 17, He who loves pleasure will become poor. My friends, this is certainly true for most gamblers if that pleasure is gambling. Now, a third reason given in favor of legalized gambling is that the church does it. Oh boy, the, those who are proponents for gambling, they like this one. The church does it. This one has become a special weapon used against the Christian council, for instance, when it has voiced its opposition against the introduction of a government-sponsored lottery or the legalization of gambling. The argument goes something like this. If the church sponsors and endorses gambling through bingo and raffles, why shouldn't government and the general public do it also? Did you get that? Now, my friends, in spite of the fact, and, and listen, so-called reasonable intellectual people present this idea, mind you, so-called sensible people. If the church sponsors and endorses gambling through bingo and raffles, why shouldn't government and the general public do it also? In other words, hey, since they do it, it must be right. Why is it wrong for us? My friends, in spite of the fact that this is a fallacious argument, it is nonetheless one, and I say this with regret, it is one that highlights the failure of a segment of the Christian church as an institution. Thankfully, not all representatives of the church allow or endorse gambling as a means of acquiring funds for a ministry or as a means of entertainment. But those that do cause the entire church to bear the brunt of their just derision and condemnation. Of course, the basic error in this rationalization to justify legalized gambling is to assume that everything every local church does is automatically right or moral. And of course, that is not true. This is patently false, in fact. Many local churches do many things that are not in keeping with the true nature and the calling of the church. Many churches do things that are wrong and immoral. Not everything every church organization does is right or moral. For instance, Jim Jones professed to be the leader of a local Christian church. He sanctioned suicide and murder for his parishioners. Should the government or the general public follow suit and do the same thing because that church did it? Of course not. Some professing Christian churches endorse and promote all kinds of immoral behavior. Should the government follow suit? The fact of the matter is, my friend, neither the government nor the church should be involved in gambling. What we should be doing is condemning and, er and eradicating gambling in the churches and demand that the government desist from endorsing and implementing as a way of life for Bahamian people as well. Now, in this regard, there are some who claim that gambling is endorsed and sanctioned in the Bible because it endorses the casting of lots and the use of the what they call the yumim and the tumim in the Old Testament. However, such an interpretation shows a complete lack of understanding of the nature of these activities. 
Neither was a matter of risk-taking or winning at the expense of someone else. No risk was involved at all. These were methods that simply helped to determine one out of two options, a matter of choice, not chance. It was used to distinguish and or determine something, not to win something based on odds or any form of payment. This was not gambling. In fact, it was just to the contrary. It was a means to take matters out of the hands of man and put it in the hands of God. Solomon makes this abundantly clear in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 33. He says, quote, The lot is cast into the lap, but his every decision is from the Lord. This is why lots were used in disputed cases. It was the means of letting God decide the issue, not man. Dr. Norman Geisler puts it this way in his book called Gambling a Bad Bet. This is what he says, quote, Those who trust God don't gamble. And those who gamble do not trust God to provide for them. So as stark as it seems, we must choose between God and gambling. Did you get that? Let me read it again. Dr. Norman Geisler. Those who trust God don't gamble. And those who gamble do not trust God to provide for them. So as stark as it seems, we must choose between God and gambling. End of quote. Strong words, but the true nonetheless. I agree with another comment Dr. Geisler makes in his book. And this is what he says, quote, Of all institutions on earth, the church should be giving to the poor, not taking from them. Benevolence, not bingo, is the church's duty to the needy. End of quote. And my friends, I agree with that statement. Now, we want to give you an opportunity. We have some more of these so-called excuses for gambling or reasons why we should allow it. And I'll come back to them. But we want to give you an opportunity to call in. Our number's here, 322-7846, 322-7846, or 326-0800. 326-0800. If you have questions or comments, we would appreciate them. We're not going into any arguments or debating here. We want intellectual, reasonable, rational discussions. If you cannot present any along those lines, please refrain from calling and just continue to listen. But if you're prepared to come in and to take a part of this in an intellectual, sensible, rational way, we are glad to receive your calls. So we can take just a second break, and then we'll come right back to continue with our program. Okay, we are looking at some reasons or excuses people are giving for legalizing gambling. A fourth argument presented in favor of legalized gambling is people are going to do it anyway. Have you heard that one? People are going to do it anyway. This is another argument that is made without much serious thought behind it. A faulty basic assumption is involved. This is why I say most of the reasons given by people who favor legalized gambling proponents just don't think through their presentation or their argument. A faulty basic assumption is involved when we say people are going to do it anyway, so it's okay to do. If people are going to do it anyway, then legalize it as though legalizing something makes it morally right. Now, just because you legalize something that is immoral, does that make it moral? Of course not. If this were a reasonable argument, 
then why shouldn't we apply it to murder, to rape, to incest, to wife and child abuse, to drugs, to stealing and so on? People say, well, you're being extreme. Are we? The principle is the same. People will continue to do these things. If those who propose this argument that people are going to do it anyway, therefore legalize it, then we should legalize all of these things if we're going to be consistent and intellectually consistent. Unfortunately, some folk are in fact using this very same argument to push for the legalization of abortion and the right to distribute contraceptives to minors without the knowledge or approval of their parents. Why? Because young people are going to be sexual active anyway. Such refuses see. People who make these arguments, they refuse to see the logical and moral fallacy involved in their argument. But now with respect to gambling, it is just not true that people will gamble naturally or normally. It has been adequately demonstrated that most people normally would not gamble. They only do so if it is convenient, if it is legal and vigorously promoted. In fact, the very fact that cities in the United States who have legalized gambling Gambling spends so much money on promoting and advertising their lotteries to lure people in. That shows that people won't do it naturally or normally. Now, it can be stated without any fear of contradiction or being proven wrong. If gambling is legalized in the Bahamas, the Bahamas will rapidly increase in the number of Bahamian gamblers. But let me stop you for now. I think we have one call. We have our first call. Hello. Hey, Pastor. Hi. How you doing? Man? I'm fine. How are you? Thanks for calling. Hey, it's a pleasure. Listen, I, I've just got one little thing I want you to consider for me. Okay. You, you mentioned at the top of the show that, you know, you, you shouldn't uh, legalize something that was illegal in the first place or something like that. I think you said it. Well, it wasn't exactly like that, but... I think I said that if it was illegal before because it was something that was a crime or immoral to do, mm -hmm. if you legalize it, does not make it not to be a crime or to make it moral. Exactly. Now, let me just touch on the illegal immigrant situation. Uh-huh. Can you, can you give me a second on the illegal? Well, you know, we're going to have a program on that. In fact, we did something on that before, but be brief because we are talking about gambling. Yeah, I know we are, we are. But what I'm saying is, because of that statement, how can we justify the fact that because we have illegal immigrants coming here and after a while, suddenly you're going to make them legal? You know, well, it's the same concept. Well, I would agree. I, w I would not say we can justify that. Huh? I would say we cannot justify that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This is it. This is it. So the principle holds. The principle holds throughout. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> you, man, um, I just wanted to touch on that because um, we need to clarify what is this legal thing and illegal thing and the moral thing and all that stuff. But we have to be clear on what we are dealing with, you know. Right, I agree, but you have to remember now, not everything legal is moral, and there are many things that are immoral that are legalized. I can understand that. I can understand that. I'll go with that for the time being. Okay. Go with the flow now. I'm listening to your program, and I'm, I'm enjoying it straight through. Well, I appreciate that. Thanks for calling in. No problem, man. All right, Lord bless. God bless you, too. Okay.
We did a presentation some time ago on illegal immigrants, and we probably will do it again. So I appreciate that call from my brother. Now, let me go back to this. It can be stated, as, as I said before, without any fear of contradiction or being proven wrong. In other words, it's just logically consistent. If gambling is legalized in the Bahamas, the Bahamas will rapidly increase in the number of Bahamian gamblers. And if what is now happening in the USA, since gambling has been legalized in most states, some 10% of those who gamble regularly will soon become problem gamblers. Again, Dr. Norman Geisler concludes from his study that, and I quote now, he says, a time bomb of young gamblers is now ready to explode in America. 90% of problem gamblers are now young people. That's since gambling was legalized. The same study also showed an alarming increase in women gamblers. Unbiased studies in the U.S. have conclusively determined that the easier, more convenient, and more accepted gambling becomes, the more people will be lured into gambling. My friends, listen to the Word of God, what it has to say about temptation. James 1, verses 13 through 15. When tempted, as with government-sponsored lottery, for instance, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Listen carefully now. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full-grown, gives birth to death. End of quote. My friends, that shows the progression from being lured into something sinful to the awful results that follows. Now, a fifth argument given by proponents of gambling is that gambling is a voluntary act. No one is forced to gamble against their will. Now, this is another argument with a faulty basic assumption. And that is that what it's saying is here that all that is voluntary or everything that is done without force or coercion is all right. In other words, if I'm not forced to do it, then it's okay. Now, does that make sense? Of course it doesn't. Consenting adults could consent to commit murder. They could consent to commit sodomy or rob a bank. Does that make such behavior right or moral, just because no one forced them to do it? The answer is obvious. It's a foolish argument to make. But yet we have so-called intellectual proponents of gambling making that argument. People think. Please think. For instance, a wife abuser. He voluntarily abuses his wife. Does this make his actions right or moral? Of course it doesn't. Politicians, priests, and pastors may and do voluntarily conspire to defraud the people they respectively lead with the fact that their conspiracy be voluntary, make it right, make it legal, or make it moral? Of course not. Such actions affect and impact upon others as much as gambling does. Because as we've seen, gambling has a negative impact, not only upon the gambler, but upon his family, his friends, his society, and his community as well. My friends, just because something is voluntary does not make it legal or illegal, gambling right or moral. Gambling is by its very nature immoral, irrational, and irresponsible. However, there is one voluntary act that is unquestionably good. It's right, it's moral, 
and it is expected of Christians by God. Listen to the word of God, according to John in 1 John 2, verses 15 through 17. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away, and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God abides forever. End of quote. It is without question that from a biblical perspective, gambling is of the world, meaning that it is contrary to the will of God for the Christian. No Bible-obeying Christian should voluntarily choose to gamble, and they should not even do so if they're forced to do it. But a sixth reason given in favor of legalizing gambling in the form of a government-sponsored lottery or legalized gambling in any way is that it's for a good cause. This is especially true of the lottery. In other words, the philosophy is the ends justify the means, which, of course, contrary, it really is, contrary not only to biblical teaching, but also to intellectual honesty and common moral standards. If this is true, the ends justify the means, why not legalize the sale of drugs to support education, health, or sports, if this is a valid reason? You'll really make a lot of money if you legalize cocaine. Do you know that? You would. What am I going to do with the money that the government has then for legalizing cocaine? Use it for education. Use it for sports. The ends justify the means philosophy, my friends, and does not make sense. Of course, this is in fact a reason now being given by proponents for legalized gambling with respect to the numbers racket in the Bahamas, and now also web gambling. What's the difference from using a lottery, or for that matter, any other now illegal vice, specifically legalized by the government to do something good for the community? logical consistency and moral integrity demands that if you support legalized gambling for one, then you should also favor any other vice to do the same. To allow for one and not the other is illogical, immoral, hypocritical. My friends, the ends do not justify the means. Using an immoral means to aid a moral cause is an immoral action. This is why, even in the case of churches that employ gambling to aid its ministry, simply baptizing an immoral activity with a sanction of a church or denomination does not make it right or moral. Peterson, in his book entitled What You Should Know About Gambling, quotes the Los Angeles Times as stating that a government-sponsored lottery for the cause of education in that city is immoral. Let me read you his quote. By the way, we have just a few more moments left, five minutes in fact, if you'd like to call, this is the time to do it. Here's a quote from Peterson in his book. State-sponsored lottery is immoral because it would make education and other pressing needs of the state dependent on the weakness rather than the strengths of the people. Did you get that? Now listen carefully. For those of you who are making this strong proposal to legalize the lottery and all gambling so we could use the funds for a good purpose. State-sponsored lottery is immoral because it would make education and sports and other pressing needs of the state dependent on the weakness rather than the strength of our people. End of quote. I agree totally with this assessment. Legalized gambling is a classic way in which a nation can bring disgrace rather than praise upon itself. 
by encouraging its citizens to support good causes with immoral means. Such an approach degrades and demoralizes the character of well-meaning, socially concerned, the patriotic spirit of citizens. Rather than meeting such needs through proper information, right incentives, and just plain old-fashioned work, sweat and tears, state-sponsored gambling seek to do so by appealing to the baser instincts of its citizens. What a tragedy this would be for our people if our government approves a national lottery or legalized gambling in any form. This, in fact, has already been demonstrated in regards to casino gambling, in spite of the so-called benefits it brings to our overall economy. The moral, or perhaps I should say the immoral, fallout overshadows all such so-called profits. The adverse impact upon home and family is staggering, and we need to be conscious of this fact. Perhaps our political need leaders need to heed the words of Solomon in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 12, where he says, Kings, that is, righteous kings and prime ministers, kings detest wrongdoing, for a government is established through righteousness. Did you get it? A government is established through righteousness. Proverbs 14, 31. He who oppresses the poor, and legalized gambling does that, shows contempt for their maker. But whoever is kind to the needy honors God. How? By not oppressing the poor. My friends, these are just some of the reasons that individuals given for legalized gambling. We have shown that they are, they are illogical. They just don't make sense. They're irrational. Next time, Lord willing, next week, we are going to be bring reasons for, reasons for not legalizing gambling from a biblical perspective. Until then... I encourage you to think carefully about this issue, for in the end it determines whether you're trusting Lady Luck or our Heavenly Father. As always, this is Pastor Lee saying, Sila, think and act on these things.